0: Here, Take my back radio. It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, right? Now. I, I, didn't I do made a bunny. did it. Welcome to the cave. Hey, and I'll form the head. For no more radio. You are listening to the Cave, a weekly podcast looking at the best and worst in pop culture from yesteryear and tomorrow. Hello to you, wherever and whenever you are in the world. My name is Shane Adamczak. And with me, as always, is the Hall to my oats, the Simon to my Garfunkel, and the Sonny to my sham, Mr. Paul Grabovac. Hello.
1: You know what I think? I think if it has pockets, then they're not just pyjamas. You know, you can wear them outside. That's what I think. (laughs) What? I just, it's just a thought that's been in my head lately, where like, I put on these nice pyjamas that I've got, and they've got pockets, which means I can put my phone in them, I can put my keys and wallet in them, so I could leave the house, but then they are pyjamas that look like, you know, cowhide. I don't know. You just, you just, you're you're torn between
0: the practicality of being able to go outside in your pyjamas, and the ridiculousness of going outside in your pyjamas.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just a constant struggle, basically, especially in the winter months, where it's just like, I'm comfortable. Why should I have to change these pants for other pants when they already have pockets? Solution, double pants. Mm, you are
0: wise. Just put just put slightly bigger pants on over your pyjamas. You'll still have the comfort of wearing pyjamas, but also be presentable to the outside world. There it is. My, my day has been <laughs> fixed. Thank you, Shane Adamzak. Done it. Uh, you are listening to The Cave, ladies and gentlemen. On this episode, Paul and I are gonna be tackling the brand new film Spider-Man Homecoming, which is in the works. We're gonna have an update of Pokemon Go. We're gonna get some more questions from you guys out there in the internet land. We're gonna do adult toy collecting, chat about that. Do a little bit of an, uh, tattoo update with Mr. Paul Grabovac. And we're gonna be chatting to my friend, Sinjin Coucher, about his top five modern board games. But right now, I want to know what's happening in your world, Mr. Paul Gravavac.
1: In my world? Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I'm heading to the north of our great state for a work, which will be cool. Um, really cool experience up there, I think. I think I'll have some cool stories when I get back. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, see Suicide Squad, and I didn't go. Pretty proud of that. Uh, but I think I I'll very proud of you next weekend, when I will probably go. How about you, buddy? Um, look, it's been a pretty cruisy week.
0: I'm in between festivals. I've just been hunting all the comic and toy shops in Vancouver. Uh, found some pretty cool stuff. I got a brand new issue of Civil War II, which has, uh, it's a limited variant cover with, uh, Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister on the cover. So I feel like right now I'm one of the very few Australians that has that. Uh, I've picked up Brian Lee O'Malley's new book, Snot Girl. Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, of course, the guy that did Scott Pilgrim, yep. uh, and Seconds, and Lost at Sea, and a bunch of other great graphic novels. Um, he's not the artist for this one. He wrote this one, and someone else has done the art. But it's, uh, it's basically about a fashion blogger. It's kind of like a cool hipster version of Sex in the City, I wanna say, based mm-hmm. on the one issue that I've read. Um, so yeah, I've just kind of been comic and, and toy shopping.
1: God, you're living the dream, mate. Living the absolute dream.
0: I am living the dream. Um, should we just jump straight into the cave? Because we've got another action-packed episode. We've got lots to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think we should kick off with the webslinger
1: himself. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, starring Mr. Tom Holland, who... Uh, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, showed up in uh, Civil War, the recent uh, Captain America movie. Um he's Actually pretty... speaking speaking of
0: I don't know if I've mentioned this but the Civil War uh movie yeah. which I really enjoyed there was another spoiler that got that got ruined for me oh really uh which was which was Giant Man
1: The oh. appearance of Giant
0: Man so Ant-Man shows up and he comes and he becomes Giant Man so he, instead of becoming very small he becomes very big yeah. and it was freaking awesome in the movie but it was ruined for me cuz I saw the Lego set that came out before the movie Oh no Oh, no. Damn but you anyway. G- Germans? Who makes Legos? It Switzerland? <laughs> um, the Dutch, I think. Damn you Scandinavian people! <laughs> Either way, it's summer in Europe and I am ropeable. Uh, no, but I mean, it was a great movie. But enough about that. Let's talk Spider-Man.
1: Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Well, Tom Holland has been pretty active on the old Instagrams lately. Just uh, giving a lot of shout-outs to his crew, uh, mainly his stunt team. And we're just seeing a lot of great Spider-Man imagery. Now, of course, Spider-Man Homecoming, um, it's no small reason they've named it that. They're really taking Spider-Man back to where he belongs, which is high school. Um, obviously, this isn't going to be an origin story. We've seen that way too many times. Everybody knows who Spider-Man is. So it's time to sort of actually explore the character without him having to put the symbiote suit on and do the rumba. Um. <laughs> oh come on! He only did that one time. Yep, and that was enough. That was enough for everybody I, ever. Um, it really—it was just, so terrible. Yeah. But yeah, at that what cool point eye in the, in makeup. the writers'
0: room? At what point in the writers' room, or in the editing suite, or even when they're shooting it, where they see that scene where Toby Maguire goes full? floppy fringed emo and he's just like doing the clicky fingers and walking down the street dancing around (laughs) what point do they go yeah let's leave this
1: in this is a good part of the movie no need to cut this this will be fine they probably just looked at um the grossing for spider-man 2 and went well if we call it spider-man 3 we'll probably make a lot of money but yeah i just wanted to sound something off to you there uh shane we've got Uh, casting confirmed now. We already knew Iron Man was going to be in it, but also, uh, Jon Favreau is showing up as Happy, which is Iron Man's driver.
0: Oh, fantastic. Um, He
1: hasn't been around for a few films really, has he? No. Well, the last time you saw him was Iron Man 3. Um, where, so he's been in every Iron Man movie at least, but there's just been so many Marvel films, uh, that we sort of forget, uh, that he was there. And since then, obviously he wasn't in Avengers 2. He wasn't in, uh, Captain America three where Iron Man showed up in both of those. Um, but he's making a return. And I'm just wondering now, like with this whole idea of Spider-Man being set in high school, trying to, you know, be homecoming queen or whatever it is he wants to be. Yeah. Do we need such a external influence from the Marvel cinematic universe? You know, Hmm. should this not be a bit more of a personal journey? Because we've had Spider-Man now with the gang doing some stuff. Or do you think that Iron Man's appearance and Happy and anybody else who might show up? Because, look, I wouldn't put it past Marvel to do that. Do you not think that maybe this should be more of a personal Spider-Man story? Or do you think there's room for that? I think there's room
0: for it, to be honest. I'm just excited now that Marvel has taken over the Spider-Man character again, and they've, you know, they've got the, uh, the rights to, to put him in the, in a proper Marvel Studios movie. Uh, I'm kinda happy, honestly, to see Robert Downey Jr. and co-show up. I really enjoy Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a part of the joy of all these Marvel movies within sort of the Avengers universe is the sort of cameos and the people showing up in each other's films. Sure. Um and we've we've had quite a lot of solo Spider-Man and it's I think it's fun to see him working as a team and see him doing something different in this one.
1: Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. I just yeah, I don't know. I just some part of me's niggling just going like, well, can't he have a standalone now? I mean, if you think about the last let's look at Spider-Man 3 and then Amazing Spider-Man 2, I guess, where Do we have to? Do we have <laughs> to look at those movies? Just in comparison where it's just like, okay, We've done Spider-Man, let's double down or triple down on villains. And somehow that'll happen. make it more interesting. I just wonder... Hashtag too many villains. Too many villains, but you know what was great about Spider-Man 1 and... Well, I guess Spider-Man 2 to a point, And Amazing Spider-Man 1 is there was one villain, really. And that's where most superhero movies and superhero comic stories... Uh, At their core, at their best, because there will be one villain that represents, you know, the foil to that character, and just like here's the anti or antithesis of this hero, and he has to combat that. And there's always, you know, a parallel moral quandary that he'll be suffering, or he or she will be suffering throughout the narrative. And it's like, do we need all these other influences? What what is Tony really going to offer to help, you know? Spider-Man through this, because, I mean, Tony's like the trump card, right? I mean, it's like, if Spider-Man can't handle, bring the guy that has guns coming out of every orifice. Yeah, I
0: mean, we don't... I mean, at this point, we don't know how big of a role he's going to have. It might even just be a short cameo where it's like, kind of like Bond visiting Q, you know, and it's just uh, Spider-Man getting some sweet upgrades and some sweet, sweet gadgets.
1: Yeah, like a gun That's that's what I'm hoping for.
0: I'm definitely excited to see Michael Keaton, though, as... The vulture in this film.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it's just been his evolution from bat to bird to like bird of prey. And um, Perth actress as well from
0: our hometown, Anguri Rice, has been uh, named amongst the cast. She doesn't have a role as
1: yet, but that's I mean I'm very, sure she does. Exciting. I'm sure she's been cast into a role, Shane. I don't oh yeah, they mean, just I don't just haven't an announced people yet. like she's in it. What's she doing? Oh, I don't know.
0: Great. Um, sticking with Marvel news, though, uh, one thing that happened today is they announced that in the next season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're going to see Ghost Rider.
1: Oh, yeah. That's going to be dope. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, excited about that. What they've done with Punisher uh, in the Marvel Daredevil series, I think they're going to do with Ghost Rider because Ghost Rider and Nicolas Cage just don't work on screen anymore. So maybe it's time for the small screen.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I mean, I don't know much about it, other than it's not the traditional uh, Johnny Blaze version of Ghost Rider. It's the Roberto Rees version, who's the more modern incarnation of Ghost Rider. Got to give Um, the kids what they want, which
1: is modern technology, and that extends to Ghost (laughs) Riding. Do you remember that show Ghost Rider that
0: used to be on the ABC? Yeah, it was great. There was a ghost, and it would literally just write things, right, and then help kids solve crimes. Is that what happened? I don't really remember.
1: I think that's the crux of most TV shows in the eighties: solving <laughs> it was, crimes. It
0: was just solving crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, all right. Well, let's let's move on from Spider Man to another um, something that's been kicking around for a while. We've been huge fans of it. Should we do a Pokemon Go update, Paul? Sure
1: thing, buddy. Ha ha. Mm. The uh, app itself has had a uh, buddy system attached to it. Now, I thought when I, when I first heard about this, it meant, oh, great, I can team up with, say, you, and you and I could be buddies on the screen together and go out and catch Pokemon. It's not that, but it's the next best thing where you can get one of your Pokemon that you own to be on the map with you and follow you around. Uh, it's kind of like Pokemon Yellow where, you know, you could have Pikachu out all the time. Um, it's this cool system, they get extra XP, you get extra XP, and it's nice just to have a little Poke Buddy with you while you're walking
0: around. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea, like, they, you basically choose one companion, and as you go, they build up that Pokemon's candy, so if you've got a Pikachu that's, like, level 43, or whatever my stupid one is, <laughs> uh you'll eventually be able to get enough candy to evolve it and power it up, and... Get it, get it going. Um, so they haven't unleashed the update yet, but it is scheduled to be within the next update. So it could be any day now. Hopefully, hopefully within
1: the next week or two. What I really want is to have my Magic Carp as my buddy because you need like four hundred of those candies. <laughs> but I'm just really hoping the animation is just like this literal fish out of water going help, uh, 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 while it walks with me. It's going to be great. You're just dragging it along with a rope. Yeah, because I'm a cruel
0: taskmaster. <laughs> you horrible man. Yeah, you know, I haven't decided what I will take with me yet. I've got a, I've got a few uh, EVs that I've evolved into some, uh, some cool things that I might drag along with me.
1: Did you do that cool trick where you can uh, rename them, and then they will turn into the one that you want? Does that I make sense?
0: I did. Uh, someone told me about that. I wanted to up, uh, up, upgrade it. No, I wanted to evolve it into a fire one. So I called it Pyro. Yeah. And it totally worked. So I do have one kicking around called Hydro, which hopefully will become a water one.
1: Nice. For those of you that don't mm. know, uh, it's from season one, I think, of Pokemon, where Ash had to fight the Eevee brothers, who had uh, an electrical water and a fire type. Eevee. Eevee. Let your boss hang down. Poke boss. Um... <laughs> And if you rename your Eevee into the name of one of those brothers, it'll turn into their respective uh, type, whether it be fire, water, or electricity, which is pretty cool. Yes, I think so. Yeah, so moving on from uh, Pokemon, which is an app we're all playing with, I just thought I'd bring up a, a little topic of conversation with you, Shane, because I've been doing a massive clean-out of my house lately. And, uh, in this house, as you well know, are many like figurines and games and plush toys and, and, and like used, uh, tissues full of tears, um, and books and just everything. But like the thing I've probably got the most of are toys and, uh, at your place. Sure. Yeah. I've sort of. Not, I'm not throwing any of them out, ladies and gentlemen. The closest thing I'm getting you to throw out... You better not. The closest thing I'm getting to throw out are the few toys that are going off to the Good Samaritans, the Red Cross service and that. You know, giving them a second life as someone else who's probably going to have a better time with them. Um But it got me thinking well, what if, about what if the if they last... Go
0: to, what if they go to Sid from Toy Story?
1: That's okay. I, I give them all a big kiss and I'll explain to them what's going on and then I'll play that song from Toy Story 2. And she used to love me And then we'll cry And it'll be great Um, But it got me thinking about the idea of When was the last time I sat down And played with my toys And look, I've got nephews and nieces And I play with their toys all the time And when they come over We play But that doesn't count I mean, when was the last time I was like, ah, oh, these guys are cool. I'm going to make them fight and Batman's going to show up and then, and then the Ninja Turtles is going to show up in the balloon and it's going to be awesome. Um, and it's honestly been a long time, like years worth of time. The closest thing I can think of is, um, I have these, remember Serenity, that great short lived Joss Whedon series. Of course, um, man. where the pilot wash has all these dinosaurs on his dashboard. And yeah. one of the most famous scenes from the entire series is when he has these two dinosaurs and he he sort of narrates them looking over this land. There's like a, a Brontosaurus and a, and a T-Rex. huh. Now I got given those uh, a couple of years ago as a toy, uh, as toys, as a gift. Um, Very cool. And, and they speak and they actually say those lines of dialogue. And I used to have like a late night ritual just before I'd go to bed where I would run through that dialogue with them and that was the closest thing I got to playing. But I haven't played with my toys in years. And it's disappointing. And I just wonder how many of us out there are still legitimately playing with our toys. What about you, Shane? When was the last time you got down on the floor and had some fun? Mm. I for sure played
0: with, like, same as you, like with my little cousins and my, you know, my nephew's toys. The last time I, like... Played with toys. I think, honestly, the last toy before I sort of stopped having toys as a kid, there was a big gap, as I've said before, and then I became sort of an adult collector. Yeah. The last thing I remember playing with as kids was probably, like, the first wave of Power Rangers, and even then I felt, like, kind of too old for it. Wow. Like, I was probably, oh, maybe like 11 or 12 by that stage. hmm Um... But yeah, I mean, these days when I, when I buy toys, they're very much just for display to, yep. and they go behind glass cabinets or they go up on a shelf and they look very nice and the children must never touch them, Paul. The oh. children must never
1: touch them. You're the worst. Open all the toys, uh, take them out of the box, set them on fire.
0: No but I do I do have a little nephew now he's uh he's still very young but I do plan on having a toy box at my place with playable toys uh which will just you know any any excuse for me to buy more toys really is always uh welcome in my oh, life yeah.
1: without a doubt i mean displaying toys is like i guess our generation's version of uh i don't know putting like fancy uh booze bottles in cabinets and showing them off to your friends and stuff
0: yeah, or having like a display of display of spoons or something on the wall. Ah, oh, love a good spoon. Let me tell you. Yeah, I play. I had a lot of fun playing with toys as a kid. Though I mean, like Lego was one of my favorite ones. Just making lots of different stuff. And if there was a toy I didn't have, I always used to try and make it out of Lego. I used to string um string all throughout my room like a web, and I would have all these various characters that would be able to hang from the the ropes and swing from place to place. And like I would make my own uh, my own playsets, as it were. That's oh, one yeah. thing I remember doing as a kid.
1: I mean, even even in my teens and sort of uh, late teens and early 20s, when I was well into Lord of the Rings, you remember this, I was fortunate enough to have a pool table in my room. Uh, because oh, yeah. Of, because of, get before everyone's like, whoa, rich boy, uh, I got kicked out of my bedroom and was forced to live upstairs, which wasn't a rough deal because I got a pool table out of it. But instead of yeah, playing was pool, I used it as... A sort of diorama it was like the grassy fields and all my lord of the rings toys would be set up on this giant felt table and i'd I'd reconstruct massive battle scenes and it was super cool but i never you know played with them like i'd set it all up and go like wow that looks cool yeah, your Lord of the Rings display was pretty impressive, and that pool table
0: was chock-a-block. Yeah. And it was awesome to look at, but it was annoying, because we never got to play goddamn pool anymore when we went to your house.
1: I'm really sorry. If it makes you feel any better, we can play pool when you come back.
0: I guess. I guess we can. Oh. I mean, for the, by the same token, we could have just gone to a bar or something like the grown-ass men that we were.
1: Uh, no. I mean, I like that you're using past tense there. Um Well, we, we were grown-ups we're, at the time. We we're not have, grown-up men could... anymore. Um but No uh I, we're, I guess, past, we're past that. Yeah, we're beyond that now. We can we can do a podcast while we're playing pool and call it the pool cast. That sounds pretty bad. I don't want to do it. That's it. I'm
0: out, I'm done. I just reached my peak um, again. Was that was that your peak? Damn, son. Yeah, what's up? You gotta ladies. you gotta you gotta you gotta aim higher. <laughs> Um, hey, let's take a quick break And let's listen to an interview I did With Sinjin Coucher, who's my uh, Castmate in The Ballad of Frank Allen, which is currently touring around Canada, um, and we were Talking board games, we brought a lot of board games With us, we've been playing um, Catan, we've been playing Zombie Dice, we've been playing Ninja Dice And I sat down with him while we were in Whistler To talk about his top five Modern day board games
2: Okay, well, I feel I feel like board games are going through a bit of a renaissance at the moment. So, I've got a top five here uh, in no real particular order. Um, so, uh, I'm going to kick off with one of my favorite favorite games that I've been playing a lot of recently. It's called uh, Ticket to Ride. So, let's call number one Ticket to Ride. Um, Ticket to Ride is one that I also really like, but it's got such
0: a daggy promise, it's hard to convince anyone it's cool. So, this is your chance to pitch Ticket to Ride. <laughs>
2: okay, so. Uh, the ticket to ride is game about building trains across a continent, <laughs> which doesn't sound cool, but it's such a good game. Yeah, it's super super fun. Um, it's it's competitive but not in a sort of like very not in an antagonistic way, I don't think. Um, you basically draw cards of particular colors, and you have to try and match uh, types of colors together to then build lengths of railway across either uh, Europe or America. Or there's maps for Asia and, and parts of Scandinavia as well. Um, I played it with a lot of my friends, and it's it's really really fun. It's sort of it's gentle. You can sort of uh, you know screw other people over, but it's you're sort of playing your own game to a degree with a peripheral awareness of other players at the same time. As you try and vie for the best train line across various continents. Again, it
0: doesn't sound cool, but I promise you, Ticket
2: to Ride is really, really
0: awesome. Uh, all right, let's move on. What's your number four top five games list?
2: Uh, okay, I'm going to go with Pandemic. Ah, um, Pandemic is a uh, cooperative game, um, which is sort of a nice. Nice reprieve if you've been playing a bunch of really up in your face competitive games.
0: Especially with, if you're with a group of friends that are starting to get a little bit nasty towards each other, a little bit saki maybe, and a little bit upset. This is
2: a game where you gotta play as a team. Yeah. So each of you, um, each of you draws a, a particular role, uh, and the premise of the game is that there's been a, a, an outbreak of diseases across the world, and as a team, you have to sort of try and tr- travel across the world curing diseases. Um, but you only have a limited limited number of actions. Each player has a limited number of actions to try and achieve this. So working together, you're trying to find a cure for the disease, and also contain the disease as it has outbreaks that spread across the world. It's one of those games that's really easy to lose and very hard to win. It's basically you as a bunch of players versus the game, and if you fail, you just die from a bunch of full-blown butt disease. Yeah, there's so many different ways you can lose the game. You can run out of cards, or the disease could have multiple outbreaks, or yeah, basically... you lose real hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a real shame. Yeah, so that one's a great one to check out as well. Number 3 on the list. Uh number 3 I'm going to go with another gentle game um that I I really really love. It's got beautiful beautiful artwork. It's called Dixit. Um D I X I T. Uh slightly funny name, uh but very fun game. Um, and there's lots of different versions that are out now. Uh, I only have version edition, the first edition, which has really nice artwork. But the artwork has improved leaps and bounds. The premise of the game basically is you you play uh, alternating as a storyteller, and you basically have a, a hand of five cards with different artwork on. All of you have a hand of five cards, and the storyteller chooses a card and chooses an, an associated um a phrase or, or word. Or sentence that 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 person associates with that card. So, so for example, there
0: might be a card that has like beautiful artwork and it's got a picture of a snail in a garden on it, and you've basically
2: come up come up with a a little caption for it for that card. Yeah, and you could say you know like uh, silver silver trail or something like that. Or you could go like home away from home if you want to make it a bit more cryptic. Yeah, exactly. And then you place the card face down. All the other people around the table choose a card that they think sort of is similar to that, and they place their cards face down, they get shuffled up and then flipped over. And the players have to try and choose which card they think was the storyteller's card. And if everyone chooses the storyteller's card, then the storyteller doesn't get any points. But if there's a nice spread of choices, then people get points associated. Yeah,
0: It's a fine balance between giving a clue that will point people in the right direction without making it too cryptic, depending on how you want to play the game. And plus, it's some beautiful, beautiful artwork as well. You got to use your brain. That's why I like that
2: game. Yeah, it's a it's an empathy game. It's a, there's a lot of sort of trying to figure out what the other person is doing and thinking and trying to get into someone's brain, which uh, you know can be worrisome sometimes. Indeed. All right, let's keep chugging ahead to number two. <laughs> number two, I'm gonna go with Starflux. Um, which is a card game. Uh, the game uh, is really simple to begin with. It basically starts with you draw a card and you play a card. But then as the game goes on, it gets more and more complex um, and rules change. So the game is constantly in flux, which is why it has that name. Um, Star Flux is one of the additions of the game. There's lots of different themed types of the game. Um, I myself have Monty Python Flux at home, which is really fun if you're a big Python head. Um, and I recently bought Batman Flux which is amazing really really cool and all the artwork from the cards is based on the animated Batman series so it looks beautiful um, so yeah but I, out of the Fluxes I've played I'd say Star Flux is probably my fra- favourite and I've played that the most and it's just got a beautiful balance of um, of insanity and randomness but also a little bit of strategy as well and it's quite a quick game to play it's a lot of fun, and it can get out of hand and get really
0: complex very quickly, and then go back to being very simple again, hence the name Flux. Uh, yeah, so that's a good one. Make sure you check out all the different versions of Flux that are out there. Which brings us to the number one cinching couch board game on his list. What is it?
2: I'm going to go with a classic. I'm going to go with Catan.
0: Whee! Yeah, one of my favorite
2: games. Yeah, Settlers of Catan. I mean, it wasn't the the board game that brought me into board gaming uh, um, in in the last few years, but it's one that I've played the most, um, and it's just so fun. Um, uh, And we're playing a derivation of it today, in fact. We're going to be playing a two-player version of of Catan today with um, a card-based version as opposed to the board game version. Um, but Catan's just super fun. You can play, uh, up to four players, or with the expansion, five and six players, and the premise is, is that you're a, you're a, a people settling an island, the island of Catan, and you have to vie for resources and try and build settlements and things, uh, and then trade those resources with each other so you can try and get points. There's
0: a lot of, like, hey, I've got some sheep, who's got some wood? I've got some bricks, who's
2: got some wheat? There's a lot of that going on. So much of that, so much of that, and, um... Nobody ever wants sheep, let's be honest. Nobody ever wants a goddamn sheep. Take them out of the game. Give us something better. <laughs> Pretty much. In other versions of the game, there's again, lots of expansions for this. There's various other resources and luxury types of resources and gold, which can be used for anything. So, um, and sheep actually become valuable in seafarers, I think, because you, you can use them to, um, to build sails and things like that. So they finally become good for something.
0: Um, that is a pretty fantastic list. Make sure you check out uh, all those games at your local games
2: uh, place. Go to a board game cafe and have a go and see if you like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were hanging out at a really cool um, board game cafe in Edmonton called Hexagon, which was super, super fun. Lots of great coffee and then a massive collection of board games that you could play for 2 an hour, which was great.
0: Pretty awesome. All right. Well, I'm pretty keen to get into this one. Sinjin Coucher, thanks for your awesome top five
2: board games list. Thanks very much for having me. Have a good one. Peace.
0: So there it was. Uh, that was myself sitting down with John Coucher in Whistler, British Columbia, talking all about... Board games. Hit us up for real things on the Twitter, thecave underscore podcast. We're also on Facebook, uh, we are the cave podcast there. And if you'd like to email us with your hands and a keyboard and type words to us on the screen, you can do that via thecave at nomoradio.com. Uh, which is what some of these people did when they sent in some questions, Paul. We have questions. Oh no, the outside world. Yes, uh, so Sinjin, actually, who you just heard from, Asked us the following: Which actor or actress has done the best/slash most faithful representation of a superhero in a comic book movie? Either the best or a top five best actors or actresses. So basically, who do who do we think's done the best job in right. a comic book
1: movie? Uh well, the easiest one is got to be Ryan Reynolds with his Deadpool. Just knocked it right out the oh, park.
0: Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. He was born to play that role.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, the only other two that came to mind uh, were Ben Affleck's Batman. I, I legitimately thought his Batman, I don't know about his Bruce Wayne, but his Batman was bang on. Like, that was brilliant.
0: Yeah, I also had Batfleck on my list. I think he's done one of the best, like most faithful adaptations of, of Batman on screen. Um, second only to Michael Keaton, as far as I'm concerned. Yep, yeah, I'll agree with that. Because Keaton had, what he had was the amazing balance of the dark, threatening Batman character, mm-hmm. but also the the strange, eclectic mix with Bruce Wayne where he was able to pull off that sort of uh, hoity-toity rich millionaire thing but also kind of lose his shit now and then as Bruce Wayne and, you know, be the irresponsible playboy when he needed to be as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And plus, you know, th- that is largely due to the writers of that film... I mean, he was a, a fantastic performer, but um that, to me, was the best written Batman film as well, Um whereas Batfleck was just given the right tools to exist in the world by Michael Keaton. Yeah. yeah, he really did make it his own. It was great.
0: Uh Charlie Cox from Daredevil, who plays the, the lead character Matt Murdock slash Daredevil in that Netflix series, I for sure would put on this list. Um, that's been one of my favourite adaptations of... One of my favourite comic books.
1: Yeah, and while we're talking about Ben Affleck, he is the worst Daredevil ever.
0: Yeah, he absolutely was. Uh, In the same way that The Green Lantern uh, was not great. But I don't blame Ryan Reynolds. I blame a lot of other things. Um, I would actually put James Marsden as Cyclops on this list as well. Um, Oh, yeah. In that I don't really... Like, Cyclops is not one of my favourite X-Men. I don't think he's... Particularly exciting. He's a bit of a sourpuss and a bit of a killjoy and a bit of a sort of a suck up at times. Uh, but James Marsden did that to a T in the films in that I didn't really like Cyclops in the films either, but he was <laughs> done quite well and quite faithfully to, you know, the comics and especially the sort of 90s cartoon version
1: of him as well. Yep. Yeah, I'll go with that. Absolutely. He was, I, I, he completely slipped my mind, but he is a perfect dork. That is Cyclops. Yeah.
0: As, you know, as far as, you know, him being a teacher's pet and as far as the live action movies of the X-Men go, I think he probably was the standout, like, most faithful to the original uh, source material.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: Uh, I've, I've put Tom Holland as Spider-Man on my list. I mean, we've seen, you know, maybe the all up, maybe 10 minutes of him, but so far my favorite Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll agree so far, but yeah, 10 minutes isn't much to go on. Yep,
0: so based on that, uh, I mean, even a- Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, I really liked as Spider-Man. Tobey uh, Maguire, I thought, sort of embodied both roles up until about Spider-Man 3 quite well. And then, <laughs> although I didn't really like the amazing Spider-Man films, I thought Andrew Garfield did a really spectacular job as Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, as Spider-Man. I don't think you know Peter Parker as much, but as Spider-Man, absolutely. Uh,
0: and then the final one that I had on my list, which was one of the big ones, which was Christopher Reeve's
1: Superman. I, I was thinking that as I was talking about Ben, uh, Ben Affleck, I was like, well, what about Superman? Yeah. He was the perfect home, like I was about to say homeschooled, but that's the wrong word. Uh, like (laughs) he is the perfect homeschooled boy. No, he's the perfect farm boy, simple, wants a simple life. Oh no, I've got amazing powers. I will use them for good. Yeah, He just so perfectly encapsulated that He was a brilliant Superman And yeah,
0: he just He just played, you know, being Clark Kent Off, you know, as such a nerdy character as well I mean, and you gotta I, I still give props to Brandon Routh In uh, Superman Returns I still think that was a good movie I know a lot of people didn't like it But I felt like it still felt like we were in that Christopher Reeve world And it still felt like one of the old movies And then they just went with Man of Steel, they just went in a whole different direction, which I just, you know, I've talked about it many times on the podcast, just didn't care for it at all. The dark Superman, like he's supposed to be the, you know, the all American Boy Scout, not a brooding emo kid.
1: Yeah, he's, he's the hero that everyone aspires to be. And that's why Batman has this distrust. That's why everyone's just like, oh, how do we, how do we aspire to be this paradigm of, of virtue and, and heroism? You know, kind of like Captain America, but, um, yeah, they they really dropped the ball on that one.
0: Yeah, and I'm uh, look, I'm sure there's lots we're missing. But please, if you guys have a favourite one as well, we want to hear from you guys. So hit us up on the Twitter, especially the Cave underscore Podcast, and let us know what your favourite actor or actress that uh, has portrayed a comic book character. A uh, Wonder Woman as well. I mean, as much as we rag on Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman was done very very well, and I'm excited to see where she goes from there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see how it happens. I mean, the trailer looks awesome, so here's hoping. Uh, Should we move on to our next question? Mm-hmm. Uh, our good friend Shiv,
0: who uh, used to hang out with us before he went back to... Where does he live now, Paul?
1: Singapore? Uh, yeah, he lives in a real small house. Uh, it's so small, actually, his arms and legs protrude from the windows and doors. Um, wow. And his head fits through the chimney in, uh, in a little uh, uh, island... Uh, where there's only one tree, uh, but lots of shrubs. It's really strange. I have no reason not to believe you. Mm -hmm.
0: He asks us, uh, I'd like to know your top five reasons not to become a vegetarian.
1: Uh, Um, Okay. Uh, uh, Iron. Protein. uh, Steak. Energy. uh, Bacon. Bacon, bacon, yeah, of course we said bacon. Yeah, Fried chicken. Uh, lamb shanks. Mm-hmm. Or oh, just a uh, whole lamb on the spit. Uh, uh roast pork. Yeah, I'd say my number five reason is, uh, hey, uh, don't listen to us. Follow your heart. Be a vegetarian if you want to.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you want to. Yeah. That, that's just my reasons. I just like <laughs> meat too much. Uh, do whatever you want. Yeah. Just have, make sure you have a balanced diet Yeah. And don't become anemic. That's, that's that how that works. Sad.
1: Stay alive. It's a good place to be. Yeah. Just live, hashtag live,
0: hashtag positive tweet. <laughs> um, Milo Bell would like to ask, why Why are the planets round rather than other interesting shapes? Okay, uh, yeah, what he was looking
1: for was uh, maybe Carl Sagan's or um, Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast. Uh, but yeah. I'm pretty sure the answer there is gravity. Gravity, yeah. Ask Bill Nye, the science guy. He'll know. Oh, yeah, who, so... by the way, has a Netflix series coming up Uh, where it's like just a talk show with Bill Nye. Oh, my God. Yep, it's going to be pretty great. I would love that. That sounds great.
0: I'd watch that, and I will watch that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Gravity is our short answer. Uh, If you want to know more, hit up Dr. Carl. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Carl at (laughs) Triple J. Um, Okay, we've got a few more. We've got enough time to get through all of these, I think. Would you want a VR version of your favourite video game, Paul?
1: That's from Christian Barrett on Facebook. I'd like to play a video game, my favorite video game, which is Super Mario 64, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'd like sure. to play that in VR, but I don't want to be like in first person. I want to be, you know, I want to have my headset on. I want to have my headphones on. I want to be completely shut off from the outside world. So all I can see is that game and sort of feel like I'm watching nothing but that. But I don't want to okay. be I don't want to be in first person as Mario going whoa doing triple jumps because I'll throw up you know
0: Sure. Okay. I mean, I've tried a bunch of games uh recently on the HTC Vive, mm-hmm. which is the virtual reality thing where you have the helmet, but you also have two hand controllers. Uh And I, I love the Oculus Rift as well, but this really does take it to the next level. And I tried a demo of a Star Wars game where you actually got to hold a lightsaber. It was a very short demo, but it was pretty awesome. Um So, I mean, a game like The Force Unleashed, which I really enjoyed, uh, would be a real blast to play in VR. Um...
1: There's I mean, someone like who's car, just released car
0: racing games. Sorry, oh, just saying. Like things like car racing, like, it'd be great to go back old school and do Daytona USA or something in in proper VR.
1: Yeah, like a static a static position, I'm okay with. But like, if I'm running and jumping over walls, like I wouldn't want to play like Assassin's Creed in first person because again, I just really feel like I'm going to be throwing up. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a lot of things. There's a lot of um things that they've built into a lot of systems now where you have obviously limited space where you can move in the actual room, mm. so you sort of have a a cage around you, as it were, of where the VR starts and stops. Yeah. But you can off, often, especially with the Vive, point the controller and it'll jump you forward to the place where you want to go.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I mean, like, a game, like, Doom or Assassin's Creed, like any kind of first person shooter exploration game would be a lot of fun. And I'm really keen to see where they go with the vibe. I think in a few years, they're going to figure it
1: out. Initially, anyone who sort of adopts this technology early are going to be the pioneers that sort of go, right, this works, this doesn't. And I think in a few years, we'll know what's going on. But I just don't see the benefit of trying to fight the inertia that your brain has. Where it's like, oh, it looks and feels like we're moving inside my head. But your body isn't doing any of that. And there's that constant to and fro that your body has. So where, like, I think a driving game or, like, there's going to be a Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront, uh, TIE Fighter versus X-Wing coming out uh, when the PlayStation VR hits. That'll be cool. But, yeah, I'm really hesitant about the idea of taking on a first-person perspective and like you say moving around shooting and, and running and jumping. Well, if you get a chance, try the vibe because I
0: think I think it'll change your mind and I think you'll really like it because I I've only had a quick go, a quick uh, you know, I've had I've tried it twice now in two different places and both times I walked away going that was pretty amazing. There was even one where it's basically all I was doing was just standing uh uh, on a cliffside, and it was just photorealistic all around me. and It was just it just mind-boggling what what they can do. And considering this is the first version that's been available to the public of this system, and, you know, it's basically the demo version, amazing just to see where it's going to go from here when it's already quite amazing.
1: Cool. Well, I've pre-ordered a PlayStation VR, so as soon as I get it, I'll be the first to let you know and give you all here at the cave a bit of a review of what I thought about it. So, yeah, I can't wait. Awesome.
0: Alright, we've got another question from Christian, actually, and, uh, we'll probably make this our last one before we move on. Uh, he wants to know, going back to Pokemon Go, actually, which we were talking about before, why do so many people love Pokemon Go when the battle system sucks and the value of finding and training Pokemon, i.e. playing the game at all, is reliant upon a good battle system? Hmm, I I don't know if I 100% agree with that, to be honest. Um... I've done a bit of the battling and doing the gyms, but for me, the joy of Pokemon Go is really just getting out there in the world, and it's the thrill of the hunt
1: for me. I don't know about you, Paul. Uh For me, I think it's all rooted in nostalgia. I mean, that's how like, yeah. it started Uh its popularity. It's like, hey, remember this thing. Like, I do remember this thing. Here it is, and it looks pretty. And you're like, it does look pretty. Look at all my Pokemon. So that's how it started, and I think a lot of people dropped off when they realized it wasn't a pokemon game like all the pokemon games they were used to and yeah i think anyone who's left over now is still sort of going well it's it's not a pokemon game it's its own thing it's not trying to be the next pokemon game it's 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 running parallel too it's like well you love pokemon here's our version of a pokemon augmented reality game it's not a pokemon game it's a game with pokemon in it
0: yeah, and in, and there's games, uh, I mean, Niantic, the company that make it, are constantly going to be upgrading this game. They've said they've got, you know, plans to release, you know, Gen 2 Pokemon later down the track. They've got the buddy system thing, which is coming up. You've got this new uh, training thing where they assess your Pokemon. I mean, they're going to be changing the game all the time, and hopefully one of the things that'll eventually develop is a better battling system and the ability to just to battle your friends as well in Pokemon. Yeah. But, I mean, for me right now, I, it, it is very much, it's, I just enjoy the hunt and just seeing one of those silly wetted pokemons in my uh little grid system there and knowing that if i go for a bit of a walk i'm gonna get something new yeah love it but yeah the battling system it, it needs to be improved but i mean it's it's still fun i think for a lot of people it is like you said it's nostalgia it's finding the pokemon and it's just that thrill of just people actually going outside into the real world and walking around
1: i think in a year's t- i think in a year's time we're gonna have a game that's very different to the one we're already playing and more in line with our expectations that we had when we started playing Pokemon Go. Absolutely. I mean, and it, I think it, it's not going to be everything
0: to all people at all times. And uh, you know, the people that stick around, I think will, uh, I think there'll be a payoff. Yeah. Alright, well thank you for all your questions, people out there. We do have more, but we'll get to them next week. If you have more, always hit us up on the Facebook, The Cave Podcast, uh, TheCave at NomoreRadio.com, or on Twitter, which is TheCave underscore podcast. Hit us up, send us your questions, give us a challenge, get us something to do. And speaking (laughs) of challenges, hey, Paul. Oh yeah? You, you last week had to do the very first, uh, the inaugural The Cave Punishment challenge <laughs> uh, You had to do a penalty Because you weren't able to fulfill your challenge uh, So what I asked you to do Was I designed a tattoo For you which I'll put up on the website And on the Twitter Which was a picture of a slot machine And underneath it said slot machine And I needed you basically to debut that tattoo To your mother yep. and bring the audio in For us this week Hopefully that has
1: happened Because God forbid I don't <laughs> want to have to punish you again uh, you'll be happy to know it did happen. Uh, I had my friend Anthony Russo. Shout out to Anthony Russo Design. Uh, he's a great artist uh, here in Perth. Um, he did the design for me one late night after a few too many whiskeys. Put it on my forearm. Nice little slot machine. Said slot machine. Now, one caveat being my mother is away in Europe. So this I this sent I her forget. a picture of this that said... Hey, I know you don't like tattoos, but I got another one. And she didn't text me back. She sent me a voice a voice message back because apparently the way that she was feeling could only be conveyed with her real voice. It's not a long message, but she certainly got her point across. So I'm going to play it for you, Shane. You haven't heard this, so... I I haven't heard it. I'm very excited. All right, I'll play it for you now. I'm just so disappointed in you, Paul. There it is. That's my mum. She was really upset. Um, Classic.
0: Leslie Grabberback. There were many subsequent text
1: messages explaining to her that it wasn't real. I don't know if she believes me. I think she's really afraid to come home and see that on my arm. Oh, Paul, always letting your mother down. That's what they call me. The down letter of mothers. Oh. In
0: other news, do you reckon your mum will make uh, make some chicken schnitzel when we're both back in town? Because I'm pretty keen to eat some of that.
1: Oh, for days, mate, four days. It's been far too
0: long since I've had your mother's cooking.
1: Okay, and, I miss it.
0: and that's not a euphemism, right?
1: No, not at all. Great. I literally mean your mum's chicken schnitzel. Well, I'm glad. Now, look, I'm glad I got the challenge done because that means I can now finally give you one back.
0: Uh, (laughs) It does I I must say I've been a little worried All week Knowing uh, How annoyed you were That you had to do the punishment Yeah And that Uh, it involved my uh, mum Yeah Being
1: disappointed in you Like she always is That's right Uh, So I Did give this one A lot of thought It's not gonna be crazy But I think you're gonna have to Put a bit of effort Into this one Shane Okay We've had updates of uh, Thor In the Marvel Universe Where it's now uh, A female Thor uh, we've had yep. updates to Iron Man now where Tony Stark is retired and there's a new Iron Woman. Uh, I think she's calling herself Ironheart. Um, cool. So they're both women, so that's that's been their fixes. What I want from you though, Shane, because I'm not too impressed with these updates, these modern superheroes, I want you to create a brand new superhero that is emblematic of today's society.
0: Ooh emblematic of today's society so someone that represents
1: the sort of core values
0: and beliefs of today's people yeah
1: so if there hadn't been comic book heroes before and we had to write one today that best represented today's society here's a hero for today's world what does he or she look like what do they do what are their powers where are they from give them their whole backstory
0: Okay, I love it. I've written down some notes and uh next week I will have a brand new superhero that is a hero of today's world that represents today's society and today's values could be a guy or a girl. Okay, I've got a lot to think about. I'll um what I'll do is I'll I'll have an image which of course we'll put up on the uh, Facebook and the Twitter and I'll come in with a bit of a a character bio for you next week. Good. Shall we just oh, have a boy. quick
1: rapid fire not much sheen, like real fast?
0: Oh, let's do it. Before we, we, before we close this episode, we gotta fill fill it all up with a little bit of not Martin Sheen. The only thing being it cannot be Martin Sheen. Hit me, Paul. Alright. Manila folders.
1: Uh, my laptop. Alright. Uh, Disney's Mulan. A pair of brand new socks. Uh, a, a cup full of children's tears.
0: Uh, slightly tattered copy of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Not
1: Martin Sheen. Love it. Hashtag not Martin Sheen for all of you out there who can think of things that are not Martin Sheen. Look, if you really struggle with this segment,
0: you guys, you're really not doing a good job. And also, why are you thinking about Martin Sheen so much? All you have to do is just not think about that and you've nailed it.
1: Hey, Shane, don't think about a
0: purple unicorn. Oh my God, it's the most beautiful purple unicorn I've ever seen. I failed. failed. Damn it. Um, all right, Paul, we've got to leave it there. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, as always, on The Cave. We'll be back next week. Remember, you can always subscribe to us as well. Uh, you can subscribe to us. You can download the episodes. You can also stream them. And you know what? Website, you have to go to do that, Paul. NoMoreRadio.com. That is correct. You can also find us on iTunes, but the best way to find us is go to nomoradio.com where you can find all the episodes as well as a bunch of other awesome podcasts such as Deanne Smith's Questionable at Best. Uh, Deanne Smith sits down with one guest each week and nuts out the answer to one question. They have a long chat about it. It's very funny. It's very charming. You will love it. And on top of that, Deanne has got a brand new album out uh, which you can get uh, from Google Play and iTunes. It's called Tell It To My Balls. Uh, and you can even <laughs> go to com right now. Go to her uh, page, which is called Questionable at Best, and you can actually get a free preview of the album, Paul. Love it. I'm heading there right now. Do it. I listened to it the other day. It's a lot of fun. It's sort of just like a great... Big, best of, live album of all Deanne Smith's great material. So make sure you check it out. Tell it to my balls on nomoradio.com, Google Play, and iTunes. I think we're going to leave it there. Make sure you check out other great podcasts like Confabulation, Edge of the City, and Dirty Feet at nomoradio.com. But until next week, my name is Shane Zach,
1: I'm Paul Grabberbeck. (laughs) Ah, I didn't know we were going to do it. We could have done it together. Ready? One, two, three cow no time difference ah! uh, see you next
0: week guys bye, bye. bye you're still here it's over go home
2: go